Well, take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of Joel, book of Joel chapter number one. While you're turning, I do want to say I was sitting there just uh, thinking about uh, what a privilege and honor it is to be here tonight at Faith Baptist Camp. I thank God for Brother Randy Sutherland and uh, thank God for uh, his family and uh, for Concord Baptist Church. Amen. And I thank God for Faith Baptist Camp. My wife and I have been coming here for over 30 years uh, from the time we were teenagers. And I uh, was sitting there thinking about how blessed, what a privilege it is uh, for all the preaching that I've heard down through the years and the men of God that have preached and, and uh, the things that have been said that have changed my life. And I don't know, I'm not much, don't claim to be much, don't know, but i tell you one thing, if it wasn't for old-fashioned preaching, there's no telling where I'd be at tonight. And uh, my children grew up here, hearing the preaching, the Word of God. And don't you thank God for a place that's not changed, amen? That's been faithful, it's been the same. And uh, God is blessing Brother Randy and blessing the church. And I tell you, it just thrills our hearts uh, to see what God is doing, amen? And he's not through, amen? Uh, greater days are ahead, and I thank the Lord for that. If you'll uh, stand with us tonight in reverence to the Word of God, Joel chapter number one, and we'll begin reading in verse number one, read three verses of Scripture and have prayer and then you can be seated. Joel chapter number one and verse number one. The Bible said the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Have this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help us these next few moments. I pray, God, that you'd touch our mind, touch our mouth, give us the vocabulary that we need tonight to say only the things that you would have us to say. God, help us to be able to deliver the burden that you placed upon our heart. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church and help us to receive with meekness the engrafted word. And God, I pray that we'd see no man save Jesus only, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to verse number three here in just a moment. But I want you to think with me about the book of Joel tonight because there's three ways that we could view this book or that should I say we should view this book. Uh, first of all, we should look at it practically and ask ourselves the question, what was happening in the prophet's day? When you think about Joel the prophet, he is taking an event and, and using it as an illustration of, that happened in his day to, uh, to prophesy about a greater event that's going to come in future days. And so when we read this book, uh, we ought to think about it practically. What happened in the prophet's day? And then uh, we ought to think about it prophetically. What's going to happen in the future day? I don't think you can read this book and not think about days to come and things to come and the nation of Israel and what is to take place uh, that could happen very soon in the hour in which you and I are living in. And so we should think about it practically and we should think about it prophetically and then we ought to think Think about it personally, amen? And not only what is happening in the prophet's day and what is happening in the future day, but, but what is happening in my day when I read this book? I think Joel is a very revel a, a, a relevant book for the hour in which we're living in. You see, this book portrays the future, yes. Uh, it portrays the days uh, of, of Joel and the days when the Assyrians came in as well. It's, also, it's both historically and prophetically true, but also 
uh, there's an application for when I see the book uh, of Joel. I have to think about the condition of America and how that God uh, brought great devastation on his own people. And we can see that in this book, not only about the Jew, but in the hour which we're living in, this great country that we live in tonight, we know that it is a nation uh, that God has blessed just like the nation of Israel. But it's also a nation tonight that is under the judgment of God as well. And so we think about it practically and we think about it prophetically and we consider it personally tonight. But I want you to notice with me in verse number one, when we come to this verse, uh, notice the prophet here. As the Bible said, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. What I notice about the prophet in verse number one is what it's not about. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, when I think about the prophet of Joel, uh, Joel here, I notice that it is not about his personality. Amen? You see, the emphasis in verse number one is not really on Joel. Amen? And a man of God that is worth his salt will not make the ministry and the message about himself. Amen? And so it's not about his person. It's not about his parent. Even though he is the son of Pethuel, we know that is not the emphasis in verse number one. It's not about his place. His place is not even mentioned. You say, Brother Gravely, what are you saying? I'm saying a real man of God will always put the emphasis in the right place. And the emphasis in verse number one is found in the first phrase when the Bible says the word of the Lord that came. Amen. You know what Joel is going to do in this book? He is going to deliver God's message. Amen. I'm telling you if there's ever been an hour when we need preachers who will not make it about themselves and not make it about their heritage and not make it about who they are or their place but just make it about this book and what thus saith the Lord. It's the hour that we're living in right now. Amen. I see the prophet in verse number one. Then I see the proclamation in verse number two. Notice the proclamation first of all is to awake. Amen. Notice the first two words. He says hear this. Amen. In other words Joel has a message that he wants people to hear. The Bible says he that hath an ear let him hear what the spirit saith unto the church. I'm telling you tonight I've got a message and I don't want you to hear me but I want you to hear the message tonight. I want you to hear what thus saith the Lord. If there's ever been a time when we need people to wake up in church and tune in to the word of God and to listen to what the man of God has to say, it's the hour that we're living in. I'm telling you too many people are distracted. They got their minds on everything else and they sit there in church but they never really hear the voice of God. They never really listen to the message. Amen. The proclamation is to awake and then the proclamation is to the age. Notice what he said, ye old men. In other words, Joel first wants the attention of the senior saints. He wants the attention of those that have went on down through life's road, those that have blazed the trail. He says, I want the ace. But then, my friend, the proclamation is to all. As he says, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. In other words, Joel said, I've got a message and I've got a question I'm going to ask here in this verse. But I want to pose it first to those that have lived longer on this earth. But it's not just for the elderly. But the question is for all of us to examine tonight. And here it is. The proclamation is to ask. What are we to ask ourselves? Look what he said. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? 
What is the question, Joel? Well, in plain old Georgia language, it would be this. Have you ever seen a day or has your fathers ever seen a day like the day we're living in right now? He asked the elderly that. He asked all the inhabitants of that question. He said, have you ever seen a day like this day? I ask you tonight, in America, in our society, in our church world, in politics, in religion, anywhere you want to look, hey, listen, in, in economics, uh, have you ever seen a day like this day? Has our fathers ever seen a day like this. There's the prophet. There's the proclamation. And this prophet with this proclamation brings us to our text tonight in verse number three. And it brings a principle that I want to preach on tonight. This principle is simply this. Because of the devastation that Joel seen, because of all the destruction that was on the land, my friend, because of everything that was happening, Joel said, here's what we've got to do. Here's the principle. And the principle is to reveal who are we to reveal it to? We're to reveal it to a younger generation. Look what he said in verse number three. He said, tell ye your children. Amen. When you look around and you see what's happening around the world, when you see what's happening in our nation, when you see Joel said all the devastation and the destruction that's going on, the first thing you need to do is you need to tell your children about it. You need to reveal to them what is taking place. I'm here to tell you tonight there's something more going on uh, than just another president. There's something more going on than just corrupt politics. Uh, there's something more going on uh, than just uh, gas at nearly $5 a gallon. Uh, oh, there's something more going on uh, and we need to reveal it to this younger generation. He said not only reveal it, but then he said you need to repeat it. Look what he said. And let your children tell their children. You tell your children so they can tell their children. You reveal it and have them repeat it and then remember it. Look what he said. And their children, another generation. In other words, Joel said, when you see the day that we're living in, it's a day unlike any day that we have ever seen. It's a day unlike any a time that any generation has ever seen before. Joel said, you need to tell the young people. They need to tell their young people and those young people People need to tell a younger generation. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on what a youthful generation needs to know. Amen? What a youthful generation needs to know. You see, there's three things in the book of Joel tonight uh, that Joel is going to tell that we must tell the young people in this generation. You must tell your children. Your children must tell their children and they must pass it on. I'm telling you why. Uh, because we're living in a time like we have never seen before. I would say first of all tonight in this text in chapter number one the first thing that Joel wants this youthful generation to know is he wants them to know about the power of judgment. Amen the power of judgment. You see tonight, if there's anything that this generation needs to hear more of, they need to hear more about the judgment of God. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 and verse number 13, Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31 is still in the book. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36, Jesus said, but I say unto you that every idle word that man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Hey, there's a generation coming up that's heard very little about the power of God's judgment, but it's just as real in 2022 as it was in 1990 and 1980 and 1970. I'm telling you, we're living in a land that is no longer one nation under God, but we are one nation under the judgment of Almighty God. Young people need to know. And listen, Joel told that. He brings it out in these verses. He tells us in verse one that God did it. It's the word of the Lord. He tells us in verse two that men saw it, that they saw it in their days. He tells us in verse number five that sin did it. As he said, awake ye drunkards and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. He tells us in verse number six that a nation did it, the Assyrians. For a nation has come up upon my land, strong and without number, whose teeth are the teeth of a lion, and he hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He talks about the waste as the sin did this. He said, he hath laid my vine to waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare, and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. Look at verse eight. As he said, lament like a virgin, gird with sackcloth for the husband of her youth, the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. The priest of the Lord's ministers mourn. Why? Because the field is wasted. The land mourneth. The corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. Be ashamed O ye husbandmen. Howl O ye vine dressers. Why? For the wheat and for the barley because the harvest of the field is perished. Amen. I'm talking about the judgment of God brought devastation on the land in those days. There was a food shortage. You look at verse number 12. The vine is dried up. The fig tree uh, languisheth. The pomegranate tree, uh, the palm tree also, the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are withered. Uh, Why? Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. I'm telling you, chapter one is all about devastation. It's all about a proclamation to repent uh, and supplication of the people of God uh, as they weep uh, because the judgment of God is on the land. I'm telling you, friend, we've got to get back to weeping. We've got to get back to sowing in tears. We've got to get back to having a burden. We've got to get back to being broken. I'm all for shouting tonight and I hope we shout it out but we've learned how to shout and we've forgotten how to weep and judgment is at our doorstep and we must tell a younger generation about the power of God's judgment. Amen. That's what he said. The land is wasted. The power of judgment. 
He said in verse number 13, he tells them, he talks to the people of God. He said, gird yourself and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God. For the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. Sanctify ye fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry unto the Lord. He said, dress in sackcloth. Declare a fast. Gather everyone in the temple. Get back and get on your face and pray that in wrath God would remember mercy. Amen. Church world is so full of worldliness and entertainment that people don't have time nor are they interested in being broken over the sins of our nation. I'm telling you tonight, we need to tell a younger generation about the power of judgment tonight. When we get to verse number 15, he says, alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. What kind of day is that? Joel, look at verse 15. It's a day of destruction. As a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Where's all this devastation coming from? Where's all this destruction on our land? Why are we paying so much for gas? Why do we go to the grocery store and we can't find this and we can't find that? Why is everything turned upside down? Is it the Democrats doing it? Is it the Republicans doing it? Oh, no. According to verse 15, in their day, you know who it was? It was the hand of the Almighty. Why is there blizzards on one side of this nation and wildfires on the other and flooding down south and hurricanes and tornadoes and devastation? You know what? Creation is groaning and God has his way in the world and God is sending destruction on this country. Amen. You can't murder a million babies a year and get by with it. You can't legalize same-sex marriage and it not anger God. It is an abomination. You can't legalize alcohol and pornography and teach all the sexual perversions in our school while we kick prayer in the Bible out and get not get by. My friend, God is going to judge a nation. The Bible said, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. But that same book also says that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. Amen. The day of destruction. He says in verse number 16, the meat is cut off before our eyes. Joy and gladness, notice this, from the house of our God. Most churches today are like funeral parlors. People get all excited in the foyer about hunting and fishing and football and baseball. I'm not against that. But what I am against is when they're all excited in the foyer about those things. And then they come into church and it's sad, solemn faces and you can't pay somebody to say amen during the preaching and preachers are about as dead as a lot of church folks nowadays. They sit there solemn and pious in a lot of places. I'm telling you, wouldn't give you an amen for nothing but want you to get raptured out when they're up preaching. I'm just telling you how it is. Listen, apathy has crept in. Complacency has filled the pews and 
people have become lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and they've got a form of godliness but they deny the power thereof. The seed is rotten under their clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down. The corn is withered. The beasts are groaning. The herds of the cattle are perplexed. Why? Verse 18, because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of the sheep are made desolate. I'm telling you, there's just woes and wickedness in chapter one. And it ends with weeping in verse 19. Oh Lord, to thee will I cry. That's where we need to get to. For the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field and the beasts of the field cry also unto thee for the rivers of the waters are dried up and the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness Joel what does a youthful generation need to know they need to know about the power of judgment what is our responsibility in this hour it's chapter 2 and verse 1 notice the first phrase Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. I'm telling you, it's not a time to call retreat. It's not a time, men of God, to back up. It's not time to worry about the number on the board and the paycheck on Sunday. It's not a time to worry about deep pockets or a name or fame or a picture on a poster somewhere. It's not time, listen, to worry about the who's who. Oh no, I'm telling you, there's not a problem in America tonight that what could not be fixed in one Sunday if men of God would get full of the Holy Ghost and mount the pulpit and blow the trumpet and preach on sin. I'm not talking about cataloging. I'm talking about putting it in a category. I'm talking about name it and preach on it. I'm talking about we need some men that will blow some trumpets in this hour. Because our nation, our churches, our homes, our children need to know about the power of judgment. He said, sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Why? For the day of the Lord cometh for it is night ahead. It's a day of destruction. It's a day of darkness. Look at verse two. The day of darkness and of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness as morning spread upon the mountain. A great people and a strong there hath never been light. Neither shall there be any more after it even to the years of many generations. Joel says this. There's coming an army and it came in Joel's day. My friend, it came in that day but it's coming in a future day, that day of the Lord. Joel said there's coming an army. He said in verse number three that the fire devoureth before them and behind them a flame burneth and the land is as the garden of Eden before them and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. Joel said the appearance of them is as the appearance of horses and as as horsemen so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the top of the mountain shall they leap. Like the noise of flame of fire that devoureth a stubble. As strong people said in battle array, before their face the people shall be much pain. All faces shall gather blackness. They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of, of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they shall fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall 
shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter into the windows like a thief. Hey, he's talking about in that future day. They're going to ravish the city. They're going to ravish and ravish the women. They're going to destroy Jerusalem in that day. The power of God's judgment. You want to really know how powerful the judgment of God is? Look at the next verse. Verse 10. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew 24 and verse 29 when he said immediately after the days of the tribulation, he said of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. This is that earthquake that Revelation chapter 8 and verse 12 spoke about. I'm talking about Joel. Joel spoke about it historically in his day, but he also talked about it prophetically in that future day but we can also see it personally in our day of the power of God's judgment is all around us today the things happening in America are not by chance or circumstance and it's not the corruption of people pulling all the strings friend they're nothing more than puppets but God is having his way in this country. A young generation needs to know about the power of judgment. That's not all they need to know about tonight. For when we get to the next verse, Joel changes gears just a little bit because there's something else this young generation needs to know. They need to know that God is a God of judgment that God is a God of wrath, that God will hold every man accountable and that the Bible says in Galatians 6 and verse number 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth of that shall he also reap. They need to know about that but I'm glad that's not all the message is. They need to know about the power of judgment but there's a second thing. They need to know about the pity of Jehovah. Amen. I'm telling you tonight if I didn't believe America could have revival, I'd never preach another sermon again in my life. I've heard it all my days growing up. Preacher, you know we're in the last days and there's just no hope for this country. She's not found anywhere in Bible prophecy. I know we're in the last days and I know she's not found in Bible prophecy. I'm here to tell you the God of the Bible is still the God of revival tonight and I don't want to steal away the hope of a younger generation for if God could send revival to Nineveh then God can still send revival Bible to America. You say, I don't believe that tonight. Well, then look at verse number 12. The Bible said, therefore also, talking about Israel, saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. Hey, in the midst of all this judgment, God gives Israel an invitation and it's the same invitation in this verse that we read about in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 when God said, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? God's able to send revival in the midst of trouble. David said, though I walk through the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me tonight. Hallelujah. 
Hey, young people, we can still have revival. Hey, elderly people, we can still have revival. You say, but I, I don't think that's possible. Well, look at the next verse. Uh, God said, rend your heart and not your garments. Turn unto the Lord your God. Why would we do that with all this judgment around? For he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness uh, and repenteth he of the evil. I'm here to tell you tonight uh, the reason there's still hope for America is because there's still a God on the throne. Uh, the reason there's still hope for America is because there's still light and salt in this country. The reason there's still hope for America is because God is merciful and God is gracious and God is willing to show mercy to those who will repent tonight. There may be some that says, well, I've got it all figured out and there's no hope for this country. Look at verse 14. Who knoweth? Who knoweth? You know, sometimes I bump into those know-it-alls, don't you? They've got the Trinity figured out. They know they've got a, the future figured out. I know we, we're not in the dark and we can read the end, but between here and there, who knoweth what God is going to do? It looked like Nineveh was too far gone. It looked like uh, Nebuchadnezzar was too far gone. I'm telling you, when it looks like hope is all gone, that's when help could be on the way. I'm telling you, who knoweth uh, if he will return and repent? And I like this next phrase, uh, and leave a blessing behind him. Amen. That makes me want to shout when I read that because who knows what God is going to do? Who knows what God had brought us a faith Baptist camp this week for such a time as this? Who knows what God's going to do in your church? What he's going to do in my church? What he's going to do in this place? God specializes in taking a whole bunch of nothing and doing a whole lot with it when it looks like you're on the bottom. There's no place to go but to upward and who knoweth what God is going to do? You say, why would he do that? Because of the pity of Jehovah. Look at verse 18. Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. God's gonna let Israel get as far back in a corner as they can get. When it looks like they're completely annihilated and there's no hope. When it looks like the enemy has just about wiped them out. When it looks like the Antichrist, the beast, the false prophet has taken over the entire world. When it looks like that little nation and that people has been wiped completely off the face of this earth, then God in his great pity and in his wondrous mercy and in his magnificent love and in his wonderful kindness, God is going to run to their rescue. God is going to run to their aid. Why chapter two really talks about their repentance in verse 11 down to verse 17. Talks about their rescue in verse number 18. Uh, down to 23 as he said in verse number 22 or 21 he said fear not O land be glad and rejoice why for the Lord will do great things amen I tell you what I still believe in 22 in spite of everything going on around us I believe that God still wants to do some great things I believe he wants to do some great things in my life he wants to do some great things in your life God wants to do some great things and he talks about their rescue 
He talks about their restoration in verse 25. And I'll restore to you the years of the locust have eaten and the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. My great army which I've sent among you. The Romans call them the burners of the land. I'm telling you when you think about it, uh, uh, when you think about that palmer worm, uh, uh, my friend that would consume and that common locust uh, and that crawling locust, that canker, uh, canker worm uh, and that other uh, uh, locust, that caterpillar uh, that would come and would consume the land. Uh, everything was gone. Uh, everything was devastated. Uh, my friend, uh, every, uh, every leaf uh, and every piece of greenery and every piece of fruit had been taken. A, a total devastation. Uh, but God said, uh, when I come back, uh, he said, I'm gonna restore everything uh, better than it was before. I'm gonna bring everything back uh, that's ever been taken. Uh, I'm telling you, my friend, tonight, I'm glad that there is coming a day uh, when God's gonna bring everything back. Uh, my friend, it's not over. And what revival don't fix down here, a rapture is going to take in just an instant tonight. The pity of Jehovah. God says in chapter two, Israel, I'm not forgotten you. He said in verse 28, it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. I'll show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Amen. God said to Israel, I'm gonna restore you. I'm gonna regenerate you. I'm gonna rescue you. The day of the Assyrian, the day of the Antichrist. This generation needs to know about the power of judgment. This generation needs to know about the pity of Jehovah tonight. You don't have to die in the sin you're in. You don't have to live the way you're living tonight. Hey, this generation needs to know there's hope and there's help. We can't preach a message that leaves them with no hope whatsoever tonight. We can't preach a message, my friend, that offers them no encouragement. I'm telling you, listen, the gospel is good news, amen? I remember the day when I was hopeless. I remember the day when I was under the judgment of God. I remember the day when it seemed like everything was dead and desolate in my life. And the preacher preached hell hot and he put me under the judgment of God. And the sweet Holy Ghost convicted me and showed me that I was lost in need of a Savior. Oh, but thank God. He pointed me to the cross. He pointed me to the mercy of God. He pointed me to the grace of God. I'm glad God don't leave a sinner where he finds them, but he gives them hope. Hallelujah. This younger generation needs to know the power of judgment. They need to know about the pity of Jehovah. Walk with me through chapter three and we'll be done. Chapter three opens up with the gathering of these Hebrew people. For behold, in those days and in the time when I shall come again, the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. God is talking about his people, the Hebrew people. But then in verse two, down to verse number 16, he talks about those heathen people because God says as sure as I'm gonna bring his, uh, uh, those Hebrew people in verse one, I bring their captivity, bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. God also says, I will gather in verse Verse two, all nations and bring them down 
down in the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's the valley uh, between uh, my friend Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. Uh, it's that place where Jehoshaphat went and won a great victory against those Confederate nations. Uh, he destroyed Edom and uh, Eden and Ammon uh, and he destroyed Moab uh, and he won a great victory. And for the Jews, it's a symbol of victory. And God said in verse number two, I'm going to bring all these heathen down in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Why, God? Look at verse number two. I'll plead with them there for my people and for the herd of Israel whom they scattered among the nations and parted my land. They cast lots for my people and they've given a boy for a harlot and sold a girl for wine and they made drink. God said in verse number five, because they've taken my silver and my gold and carried into your temples my goodly pleasant things. The children also of Judah and the children of Jerusalem, you have you sold unto the Grecians that ye might remove them far from their borders. God said, said, said to these heathens, God said, I'm gonna bring you down in this valley for what you've done to my people. I wanna tell you tonight, this is not our hour tonight. It is the hour of darkness. The devil's having a heyday. His crowd is living it up. They're dancing in the streets. They're having the time. But the battle's not over with. God's gonna bring all them nations down into that valley. And God tells them in verse seven, I'll raise, talking about Israel, I'm gonna raise them up out of the place whither you've sold them. And I'll return your recompense upon your own head. And I'll sell your sons and your daughters in the land of, and the children of Judah, to the children of Judah. And they uh, shall sell them to the Sebans and to be a people afar off. For the Lord has spoken it. And God cries out to these heathen nations in verse nine. And he says, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up the mighty men and let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Verse number 10 is Micah 4 and verse 3. As he said, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say I'm strong. Assemble yourself and come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together. God said bring it on. Amen. He said get all the captains and get the mighty men and get the armies of this world and get all all those uh, that come uh, and bring them down to this valley. Uh, God is drawing the heathen in. Yeah. He said in verse 12, let the heathen be awaked. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Verse number 13 is Revelation 14, 9. He said, put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down for the press is full, the fats overflow for their wickedness is great. Sinful people that are ripening and ready for ruin. God is bringing them all down. Why is he doing this? Verse number 14, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. God is going to bring all these heathens to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Revelation said, an angel's gonna come down and dry up that Euphrates River. That's been the dividing line in that Middle Eastern area between the east and the west. And when that river has been dried up, those kings of the east are gonna come across it. They're gonna march by the millions across that river. They're gonna come 
They're going to come to that valley. God is going to bring them all down. They're going to fill the Mediterranean Sea with their fleets uh, and the skies uh, are going to be filled uh, my friend uh, with their, with their uh, military uh, with, their, uh, with their planes and their aircraft. Uh, they're going to fill that valley with their arsenals and their armies. Uh, they're going to gather together and the Antichrist uh, is going to rally the troops uh, and convince them that they're going to do battle against the Son of God. Uh, the unity of that demonic uh, trinity will bring them all together. The Antichrist will be the world leader. It's the day of the Antichrist. It's no longer that Joel is talking about the day of the Assyrians. But now everything has come to one big battle. It's come to one pinnacle. It's the day of the Antichrist. Who will rule the world? Will it be God or will it be man? I say it'll be the God man. My friend, because God said in chapter two, blow the trumpet. But when you get to verse Verse number 16. Thank God no one needs to blow the trumpet because there's coming a roar out of the glory world of the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of Jesse is going to roar. That which is, which was, and which is to come. Thank God he's coming back. Hallelujah. That's what this generation needs to know. They need to know about the power of judgment. They need to know about the pity of Jehovah. They need to know about the promise of Jesus Christ. When we get to this verse. I love these last few verses. I read the entire book. That's probably more Bible than most of you have read in six months. Amen. Uh, but I just had to read it. It's the only way I can preach it this way. I'll tell you what I love about this little old book is it opens up in judgment, but it ends with Jesus. Amen. It opens up with devastation, but thank God it ends in glory. Amen. It opens up with everything devastated and gone. But when you get to verse number 16, you know where we're headed to? Oh, we're headed to verse 17. And when we get to 17, you know where we are? We're at Zion's holy hill. Amen. I'm telling you there is coming a day when my friend that portal is going to open up and all them armies are going to be down in that valley. But thank God the captain of our salvation our savior, our God, our Lord he's coming back but he's not coming by himself. Thank God Jesus said in Matthew 24, 27 he said as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west so shall also the coming on the son of man be hallelujah he's coming you believe that tonight Revelation 1 and verse 8 John on Patmos said behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him hey the book says he's coming hallelujah Jesus said in Matthew 24 in verse number 36, but as the, he said, but no man knoweth the day nor the hour, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came. Oh, they're living it up. They're having a time. The Bible says, two shall be in the field, the one shall be taken. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall, one shall be left and the other is going to be taken. He said, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would have come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. 
Therefore, be also ready. You know what we need to do tonight? We need to be ready. Therefore, be ye also ready for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. And in that time of revelation, Jesus is going to come. The sky is going to open up. John saw it in chapter 19 and verse 11. He said, and I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. Now some people think that's just a symbol or a figma of our, our imagination. I believe every word of it. I was preaching that in Alabama a few years ago and got in trouble, amen. But I still believe it, don't you? Amen. John said he saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he'll judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And upon his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. He's clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. But he's not coming by himself. I like the next verse. It said the armies which were in heaven. That's you and me. That's a blood-washed crowd. That's everybody that's saved. When you got saved, you joined the saddle club. Amen. And we're going to saddle up on that day. And the armies which were in heaven. We're going to fall upon white horses uh, clothed in white linen fine and clean. And the Bible said out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he ruleth, this, uh, well, he ruleth with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And the Bible said he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. I got news for you. When he comes, he's not going to need any help taking care of this crowd. He's going to roar out of Zion. He's going to come back. Those Jews are going to be hiding in that rose red city of Petra. That's going to look like there's no hope whatsoever. But they're going to be crying in those rocks and those caves. They're going to be praying for the Messiah to come. They've never seen him. They didn't believe that was him. And so they're going to be crying, Baha Mashiach, which means come, O Jehovah. And they're going to be praying, Oh, come, Jehovah, come. I'll tell you, God is going to show them pity and God is going to send the king but he's sending the bride with him amen and we're going to come back and he's going to come and thank God he's going to speak and the blood will flow to the horse's bridle all he'll do is speak can you imagine that the greatest world army that's ever been seen against one man but they chose the wrong man. The devil's always been a loser. And this is his grand finale. This is from the garden to here. When he stepped in that garden that day, it started with a piece of fruit and two individuals was the world population. But God came walking through that garden in the cool of the day and before the devil ever slithered in, God already had a plan. 
And God already had a man. And God already had a lamb that had been slain before the foundation of this world. Calvary was not an accident. It was not an afterthought in the mind of God. But my friend, it was already established. And when God walked in the garden that day and said, who told you who you was naked? And they said, the serpent. God never responded to Adam and Eve. But he cursed the serpent first. You know why? He waged war on the devil that day. And the battle's been on ever since. It started in the garden. But it's going to end in a valley. I'm going to tell you, my friend, and when it comes, he's going to leave nothing. It's going to be left. Hallelujah. He'll take the devil's army down with just one word. And it'll be over with. And then he'll put his feet Holding a Mount of Olives. <laughs> I don't know, Brother Randy. But I got a feeling the church, I don't know where we're going to be. We may be standing in the valley. We may be circling the atmosphere. But we're going to get a front row seat when the Messiah comes to God's everlasting people. I got a feeling we'll all be shouting on that day. It'll be a great camp meeting in the sky as the Lord of glory, the Son of God, the Messiah of this world. He'll put his feet on the Mount of Olives. That mountain will divide from the east to the west. And the Son of God will come walking down through that mountain and through that valley. Them Jews will come out of those rocks and those caves. They'll see him. And for the first time, the scales are going to fall off their eyes. They're going to see him for who he is. And the Bible says a nation is going to be born in a day. Praise God. I'm talking about a whole nation is going to get delivered in one day. They're going to say that's him. It's Jesus. He's who he said he was. He's the Messiah. He's God. He's King. He's Lord. He's Master. Hallelujah. They're going to see him for who he is. Woo! Praise God. And with the blood still dripping from his robe, he'll walk through that eastern gate. <laughs> It'll lift up for him. As the king of glory, he walks through into the city of David, the capital of the world. He'll walk into that city. He'll sit on that throne. There'll never been a king like King Jesus. Jerusalem will have never been ruled like they're gonna be ruled. He'll set up shop. He'll give out uh, a judicial uh, and executive orders uh, uh, to those, uh, uh, to the church uh, and to others uh, at heavenly Jerusalem. All of a sudden it's going to come down and it's going to hover over that earthly Jerusalem. Can you imagine that? Uh, and the Bible said uh, uh, that it's going to be brighter, uh, ten times, seven times brighter than the noonday sun uh, when he sits on the throne. Uh, uh, the word of God said uh, there's going to be strength 
streams in the desert. I'm telling you, water's coming out of that throne. And everything it touches, Ezekiel said, it's going to come to life. Amen. I'm telling you, you know why? Because he's alive. Amen. I'm telling you, the king, the curse is going to be lifted. There's going to be streams in the desert. And the desert's going to bloom like a rose. There's going to be holiness on the bells of horses. And the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. What a day that's going to be. When my Jesus, I shall see the promise of Jesus. Hey, we know the rapture is coming before all this. You know what this younger generation needs to know? They need to know they're under the judgment of God. They need to know that there's a God in heaven that more than he wants to be their judge, he wants to be their savior. And they need to know the promise of that savior is still true tonight. You know, I remember growing up when on Friday night, it seemed like, may not always been so, but it seemed like on Friday night of revivals, preachers would preach on the second coming of Jesus Christ. They would sing them old songs, Jesus is coming soon. And when they sang them, people shouted. There was an anticipation and excitement that this could be the hour. This could be the day. This could be the last camp meeting. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came during this week? Wouldn't it be the, I mean, it'd be the greatest camp meeting you ever had on earth if he came this week. Wouldn't you may be here and be pastoring. You may be here and be a missionary and you may be discouraged and you may have come this week and say, I don't even know why I'm here. I want to tell you, child of God, lift up your head. Your redemption draweth nigh. Lift up your heads. Look unto the hills. There's hope tonight. It may be dark in this hour, but as the darker this world gets, the brighter the promise is tonight that Jesus is coming. He's coming tonight. Do you believe he's coming? I believe he's coming. He may come before we get to the house. He may come before you go to sleep. He may come in the midnight cry. He may come tomorrow. But the promise is just as real tonight as it ever has been. Are you saved? Are you saved tonight? If Jesus comes... Before there's even an invitation, where would you be tonight? Are you right with God? Is there some sin tonight that you're willing to trade the pleasures of sin to face it, God, in judgment? Is that sin worth holding on to tonight? What are you going to do if Jesus comes? And you never get to go back to that sin again. How about it tonight? Maybe somebody here, you need to get right with your pastor. You're out of fellow, if you're out of fellowship with your pastor, you're out of fellowship with God. You had not said nothing, but it's in your heart. You're going to face God? What if Jesus comes tonight? 
He's going to give an account for you. Is he going to do it with grief tonight? You say, why do you say that, preacher? Only because it's on my heart. Oh, you better get right with your pastor. You better get right with your spouse tonight. You're going to face God holding a grudge against your spouse. You're going to face God tonight out of his will. Friend, just because you're saved tonight doesn't mean you don't need to be reminded of the power of God's judgment. I've preached the funerals and many of these other men have of people that I know God judged them. I was too afraid to say it to anybody for fear God would bring it on me. But nevertheless, you men of God know we followed the casket down to the graveside many times knowing they went to an early grave. Preached the funerals of people that I knew they were in hell while I was preaching. And Brother Randy, my heart breaks for family when they don't have that assurance. And while I may not say nothing about them being in hell, I never have been able to preach somebody into heaven that I knew went to hell. And tonight, if you died, would hell be your eternal home? What about it tonight? God will pity you if you'll come. Tonight, church, this great nation tonight, America, we just celebrated our independence. And I want so bad for America today to be what she used to be. It breaks my heart as I know it does yours tonight to see the condition of this great country. But the hope for America tonight is when God's people gets back on their knees and starts weeping. Don't give up on this nation tonight. I'm gonna tell you Politicians are nothing but puppets in the hand of God. Don't give up on America tonight. The hope for America is in the church house. There's enough people in this tabernacle tonight. If we got under a burden for this great country, God could still send revival. You say, I don't believe that. Well, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the remnant of people that still believe there's a God in heaven tonight. And that God can. He could start in Fairmount. He could start in Rossville, Georgia tonight. He could start in North Carolina. I'm telling you, there's enough people watching tonight that if we get back on our face and weep, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Tonight as we stand, do you need to be saved? Do you need to get right with God or somebody? I'm going to tell you, it's Monday night of this camp meeting. There's 10 other sermons I'd rather preach than what I preach tonight. But I really believe this with all my heart. I believe God spoke to me this morning. He said, I want you to preach this sermon. I really believe tonight God 
could turn this place, could turn your home, could turn your family, could turn your heart, could turn your ministry, could turn your church, your neighborhood, your children, your prodigal. He could turn it upside down. If we just get a hold of him tonight and say, God, I believe you. I still believe you can. Oh, tonight, don't let nothing hold you in that pew if you need to come. Don't come just to be coming. But I'm telling you, if God, the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you and speaks to you, don't you let pride, don't you let problems, don't you let people hold you in that pew. You step out on faith tonight and believe God. I'm telling you, tonight, I know He can. I don't know everything, but I've seen Him. God can do what you and I cannot do tonight. We can't do anything. But I'm telling you, if you'll trust Him, there's not a problem God can't fix. There's not a person God can't save. There's not a prodigal He can't bring home tonight. There's not a prayer that He can't answer. There's not a need. Oh, there's not a need that what God cannot supply if you'll trust Him tonight, He's not just able, but He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or that we think. Heavenly Father.